Is it just a coincidence that in our debut FCON coverage that fellow debutants Comoros upset the odds and make it through the groups? We don't know, but the fact that we haven't made predictions about them has surely helped. So you're welcome, Comorians, and we hope to have even half of your success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Season 2, Episode 35, FCON coverage, Episode 4. Did I get it all right? Beautiful. I think so. <laughs> My name is Tommaso, and I'm joined by the other voice of the pod, Mr... Rory, here we are, episode four of our AFCON coverage. It feels good, and the, the, the tournament's waking up. I'm it waking is. up, everything's waking up, it feels like it's getting lively. Guys, and in this episode, we have one of our best interviews yet, so just keep listening. Of course, we're going to review everything everything that has happened in the AFCON between Monday and today, but then there is also going to be this great interview but the first thing that we're going to do is also talk a little bit about some Premier League and, and Coppa Italia action. But before anything, please remember to follow us at Anglo Italian Pod on Instagram, at Italian Anglo Pod on Twitter, and to give a cheeky follow to our friend and the sponsor at the Sports Club Maps. Rory, I know that the first thing we need to touch on is something that you don't want to talk about. But last night in the Premier League, a record was broken. Tottenham were the team that were able to go from losing to winning a game, the latest in a game in the history of the Premier League. How did it feel? Heartbreaking. <laughs> Absolutely heartbreaking. Um, obviously, now I'm going to try and treat this as like non-biased as I can. As a footballing moment, incredible. Like the scenes in the Tottenham away end looked genuinely incredible. Like, can you imagine being there? You're like two one down. You're possibly already left the stadium. You're getting ready to leave. And then just the absolute limbs, as they say on Twitter, looked incredible for Tottenham. That is like a hell of a turnaround. That is like a season changing moment, right? It's a game in hand. Like I said, you were losing, you're losing ground on the top four race. And all of a sudden this player comes on a player. You were actively trying to sell comes on, scores two goals within 80 seconds, and all of a sudden, you leapfrog your North London rivals with a game in hand, and all of a sudden, your season is looking a lot brighter. I think this is a moment that could kind of define or change the whole course of their season. Absolutely massive. For Leicester, what the bloody hell is Brendan Rodgers doing with Leicester this year? They are having a horrible season, Um and their inability to defend this year, like from a team that I feel like last season, their defense was very solid with Johnny Evans and uh, Chinoglu. Why would you say his name? Soyuncu, even. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Soyuncu, yeah. it looked like a really solid defense. And all of a sudden, it's all over the place. Shemichael messes up massively for the goal. Like they're looking really dodgy this year. I know that they're switching between formations a lot, and it just seems a bit all over the place. But it feels like Tottenham are buying into the contest mentality and uh, Harry Kane, besides the beautiful goal that he scored, mm-hmm. he had at least three or four other opportunities uh, to bag one and uh, Tottenham look like they are starting to learn the offensive mentality uh, that Conte wants to give to Spurs. Two words on Brentford Manu, Rory? David De Gea, I'm going to count De Gea as one word. Um, He kept United in that game the first half. Um, Thomas Frank, the Brentford manager, kind of bemoaned their luck in front of goal. They probably should have been two, arguably 3-0 up in the first half. But then in the second half, United really came into it and really kind of 
turned it around. Elanga, a nice young player who's been getting a bit of hype from United, started on the left wing. He got his first goal for the club. I believe it's his first goal for the club. He kind of got all the headlines. Bruno Fernandes getting two assists. Um, the other goals scored by Greenwood and Rashford. So all three scorers are Man United youth products, which might not be the worst direction for United to go to go for at this point. Obviously, wherever Ronaldo is, the headlines follow Ronaldo. Him and Ranić, or Ranić, was seen shouting at him, or kind of having a quiet word in his ear as Ronaldo remonstrated being taken off um, late on in the game. He really was not happy about that, but I think. Ranić really needs to put his foot down with this and be like, look, if you're not putting in the performance we need, if you're not doing what we need, then you're not playing. I think mm-hmm. it's Ronaldo is constantly about him, right? But I think the way Ranić dealt with it and so publicly could actually be a very good thing. So for United, all of a sudden, for both them and Spurs, it's looking a lot better. Honestly, when I first checked my phone, I was like, okay, United 0-0, Tottenham 2-1 down. Okay, Arsenal aren't playing. This isn't a bad night. Check, didn't check my phone for 20 minutes, looked. I was like, oh, for Christ's sake, United have won and Spurs have won. So now um, Tottenham are in fifth, played 19 games on 36 points, one point behind West Ham in fourth. Arsenal in sixth, 20 games played on 35 points and United in seventh on 21 games played, 35 points. So it's all very close down there, but everybody's got a game in hand on everyone. It's all over the place, so hard to call at the moment. Games in hand everywhere. Our hands are full. And let's move to Italy, where the Coppa Italia quarterfinals are set for you listeners. They are 95% set for us at the moment of speaking. Since we're recording on a Thursday, it's going to be Juventus-Sassuolo on February. All these games are going to be played on February 9th. Juventus-Sassuolo, Fiorentina-Atalanta, Milan-Lazio. And the winner between Roma and Lecce will take on Inter. Who did win last night? Uh, it took them eventually, some time. Eventually, eventually, they won three-two against Empoli. This game was pretty intense. Joaquin Correa got injured uh, at the second minute already—a muscular injury, which kind of says that this player, which I really, really like personally, is very inconsistent and uh, he's not fit at the moment. He was uh, substituted by Alexis Sanchez, who is in great form and scored a 1-0 for Inter Milan. But then it all turned around with Bayrami's goal and an incredible header from uh, Patrick Cutrone, Inter's backup goalkeeper. Yoni Tradu was very, very unlucky. He dived a second too late, and then the ball just hit the crossbar, the back of his legs, and went in to make it 2-1 for Empoli. At that point, Simone Inzaghi just put all the starters that he had benched in the pitch to try and restore uh, parity between the teams. And oh my, oh my, the guy you would not expect. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrea Ranocchia with one of the most beautiful, I want to say, what do you call it? Like half volleys that I've ever seen? Is it a bicycle kick? It's not really a bicycle kick because it's a sidekick. But Jesus, the ball just like bounced right in front of him. And it was like, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to do this. Andrea Ranocchia with a beauty of a goal to make it 2-2. It then goes to overtime and Stefano Sensi. The, 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 the man that we've been talking about in the Nerazzurri environment recently, because he's all set to leave for a loan spell at Sampdoria, just scores a beautiful, beautiful goal 
to make it 3-2 and the Nerazzurri advance against a very good Empoli side. Um, so these are the quarterfinals. We'll see uh, what the result between Roma and Lecce will be. They are set to play as we are recording. You guys will know the result. Lecce, they are currently uh, fifth in Serie B, only five points off the top. I think it could be a bit of a fight considering how mm-hmm. inconsistent Mourinho's Roma is. But before we jump to the AFCON, we need to address something that happened while we were recording live on Monday night on YouTube and Twitch. Spezia won at the San Siro, but there was massive controversy because Ante Rebic was fouled at the edge of the box. The referee should have let the advantage to AC Milan. Instead, he whistled and then Messias scored half a mm. second later. The decision, of course, the the goal wasn't even ruled out because the referee had whistled before the goal. But what happened then? AC Milan awarded a free kick. It all goes to the other side of the pitch and Giazzi scores the winner for Spezia. Look, I will just tell you my opinion, Rory. Then you will say yours. If it had happened to Inter Milan, I would be absolutely fucking fuming. Mm -hmm. But this said, I think it's ridiculous that the AIA, Associazione Italiana Arbitri, the Italian Refereeing Association apparently reached out to AC Milan uh, apologizing officially for what had happened. Then they kind of said that that never happened. I want to believe that unfortunately it did happen and they think that it's ridiculous because we see refereeing mistakes every single weekend. Every team is uh, has to go through these bad decisions. I don't see why AC Milan get an apology or not. I've already heard so many people talking about campionato falsato, which means like <sighs> this is a jinx the Serie A because AC Milan had the possibility to over to leapfrog Inter Milan, who, however, had a game in hand. Look. I don't think I think that if AC Milan are actually Scudetto contenders, they are going to forget about this. And on Sunday night against Juventus, they're going to put in a great performance. Look, this happens. It's bad luck. I'm sorry for you guys, but to say that if Inter Milan win the Scudetto, it's because of this refereeing decision. I think that's big time bullshit. Well, yeah, no, it is. Like, there's been a few games where Milan have slipped up, right? This isn't like their first, they've had a perfect season. This is the first game they've lost concentration. Like, they've had a few slip-ups. I feel like it does set a dangerous precedent of, like, refereeing bodies apologizing to teams. I don't know if that's like, I know yeah. we say we want referees to talk to come out and talk through their mistakes and justify things, but I think that's different to, like, we're really sorry that we made that decision. Like, like it happened... You can justify why it happened, but apologize, and I don't really feel that like, great about it. Um, yeah, I think since like COVID and the pandemic and everyone, like last season, everyone said it was a false title because of COVID. And now I just feel like the first bit of like um, adversity happens against a team or like a bit of injustice, and they're like, oh, false championship because it's not a completely even playing field. So yeah, it doesn't count. That. So even if you do win it, enjoy it. Enjoy your win because it doesn't count. Like yeah. It just feels like people shout it at the first opportunity. So I don't know. And they're just worried January. they're not going to win it. That's all. And it's January, boys. The one thing, the last thing before we jump to the AFCON that I wanted to say is that we've already covered um, how much of a difficult spell Inter Milan are going to have uh, starting February 6th. Well, right now, there is even the Coppa Italia quarterfinal, which I want to think is going to be against the Roma. So it would be 
February 6th against AC Milan, February 9th against either Roma or Lecce, February 13th against Napoli, and February 16th against Liverpool. I guess we will see what Inter Milan are made of exactly in this moment of the season. Yeah, that's that's going to be a test of the squad depth for sure. But I'm going to get a really hot take from you, Tommy. Mm Mm-hmm. The chance Are we going to win in- the Champions League? Yeah. No, right. I was I was going to say the chance of Inter winning every domestic trophy this year. Ooh, I think they I think that uh, Simone Inzaghi is quite experienced with the Coppa Italia and I think that uh, yeah, I mean triplete tricolore, the tricolored A team has done treble. it before, I imagine, right? Juventus. Yeah, Juventus must right? have done it before. Okay, I right, want right. to say maybe even AC Milan have done it before. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I think we are definitely the team that is looking the best in Italy at the moment. Not in the game against Empoli, there were a few subs in and uh, I think we kind of went in that game with a bit of overconfidence. But yeah, I think there is a chance. Yeah. What did you expect me to say? No? No, no, no. That is exactly (laughs) the answer I was hoping for. That's exactly the answer I was hoping for. Don't worry. But Rory, is the blimp inflated to go across the Mediterranean all the way down to Africa? It is, and we know she can make it, so let's go. Let's do it. And it's getting hot up in here as we take a look at the table of the round of 16 for the very first time. Some games have already uh, been scheduled. We are awaiting the results of Group F, but you listeners will know all about it by the time you're listening to this very episode. Uh, so, the teams that are, are set to face uh, off are Burkina Faso against Gabon, Senegal versus Cape Verde, and then on the other side of the table, we've got Camer- uh, we've got uh, Ivory Coast versus Egypt and Morocco versus Mali. Uh, Nigeria, um, Equatorial Guinea, Guinea, Cameroon, they're all waiting to know who their opponent is going to be. But let's go group by group, starting from the uh, last round of fixtures in Group A. It took place on Monday night. Burkina Faso and Ethiopia draw one square, 1-1, and Cape Verde and Cameroon did the same. Rory, what can you tell us about these two games? Um, Cameroon looking like one of the better teams. Uh, obviously, with the top scorer of the tournament, Abubakar, they're always going to have a chance. And as the host, they're always going to have a chance. Um, for them, I think they would have liked to get the kind of, you know, three wins on the bounce, kind of really put your foot down, but they just weren't quite able to get there. But for Burkina Faso, it was all about just getting the job done. As we said on Monday, they qualified on goals scored. So they scraped through. So I don't think they really care about how they did it. They've just done it. And that's all it matters. Moving on to Group B, Malawi, Senegal, nil, nil. Now, this is the team that I'm supporting, Senegal, but I have to say that I'm not that impressed by the football that they've been playing. They're always looking for a cross in, for a header, but it just feels like it doesn't really work for them that way. And Koulibaly had a shocker of a game. He made two big mistakes, one that almost cost him arguably a red card, but it was not a red card. He wasn't even given a yellow, which I think was unfair for Malawi. Uh, And at a point in the first half, he really messed it up uh, trying to build up play. Uh, Malawi got the ball and they almost got a goal. 
uh, before reviewing the game, I just want to say that Malawi have got the biggest shirt numbers that a football team has ever had. In the AFCON, there is no rule for how big the font of the numbers should be. And Malawi were just like, really? And large and large and large and large and large and large and large. But thank you guys, because you make it much easier for me when I'm watching the highlights without the commentary on to pinpoint who the player is so it's actually I, they look horrible but it's very useful for the maybe they got the memo that there was going to be no commentary on the cap highlights and they're like you know what we need to help these guys maybe they listen to the pod maybe they listen to the pod like guys font 72 no no bigger bigger <laughs> just make bigger. it 85 it's just yeah, yeah. 90 you know what 100 let's just go <laughs> yeah. with that one and i wanted to highlight another thing before going to the actual game that in the stands there were a lot of senegalese players with actual fucking instruments and not vuvuzelas <laughs> these guys were going at it with drums trumpets guitars however they, they they weren't enough the instruments to cover up the fucking annoying mosquito noise that rory loves for some reason i don't love it i just don't mind it it's just so annoying <laughs> I love mental. i man i could never play an afghan game um, but uh, yeah, actually, the, there isn't that much to say about this game besides the fact that uh, uh, Malawi's goalkeeper had a few very good saves. His name is Thom, T H O M, especially on a Diallo shot. The ball was laid off by Koulibaly. Uh, Diallo kind of touched it with his back heel, kind of like right underneath the crossbar, and the incredible reflexes from Thom who was able to save the good ball to keep the score on nil-nil. Um, Senegal's, yeah, always relying on uh, on long balls. I don't think they're going to go far if it wasn't mm -hmm. for the fact that you can look at the table and they think they're in a very favorable side of the table and they're going to take on Cape Verde next in the round of 16. The other game was Zimbabwe-Guinea 2-1. Uh, Guinea could take an early lead through Koba in front of an open goal, but Kangwa, man, denied him with the tip of his foot. It was an incredible play. There was then a Muzona header. The defense did not jump, and that made it 1-0 uh, for Zimbabwe. The cross was a pinpoint cross by Tijere, and then a beautiful, beautiful give-and-go play towards the edge of the box for Mahachi to make it 2-0 very poor goalkeeping from the Guinean defender and in the second half a brilliant goal one of the best goals in the AFCON so far Nabi Keita doesn't really know what to do he's trying to go in the box then kind of drops back and then it's just like I'm gonna go for it all the way and he pinpointed this shot underneath the crossbar Rory what did you think of Liverpool's midfielder's goal that was an angry goal. That was like a really angry goal. You could see the frustration. He hit that and it was like, fuck, there you go. That feels better. That was like an angry goal. But for Zimbabwe, I was really happy that they got their win, right? I think every team should have their moment in a tournament, right? Um, every team should have a goal to celebrate. Every team should have a moment. I feel like Zimbabwe getting that win, I just feel really, I'm really happy it happened. Um, they were in a tough group. And they didn't look that great in periods of the games. So I think for them to get three points is massive. See you again at the next tournament, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, Guinea are awaiting. The goal that Keita scored was fundamental in the goal difference in the standings. And they are awaiting the, tonight's result. We're recording on a Thursday once again. They are going to take on, in the round of 16, the second ranked in Group F. Let's move on to Group C. Rory, what can you tell us about it? 
It's all kicking off in Group C. All of the narrative is in Group C. Um, and we are going to start with, you can only start in one place, and that is Comoros knocking Ooh. out the third most winningest, as the Americans would say, team in Afghan history, knocking out Ghana 3-2. This is the definition of a fairy tale story. So let me give you some context. Comoros are ranked 132nd in the FIFA rankings. They have a population half the size of Milan, 800,000 people, right? They won their first competitive game in 2006. They were only allowed in FIFA in 2005. Ghana are one of the most history teams in the AFCON. Now, we know that they have not had a great tournament, right? They were not playing well. Their coach is... I think it's Radovich is his name, right? He's really like, he's really typical of what African teams are trying to stop doing. So it, it was kind of normal for African teams to have like kind of semi-dusted European managers that couldn't get a job in Europe. They would just come and work in Africa. And I feel like this manager is just the definition of that. He's had stints at Ghana before where he was very successful, 2008, 2010, but his football hasn't moved on. They were playing really boring, slow, predictable, defensive football, and it just was not working. We talked about in earlier episodes how they're definitely at a transition stage and they need to like push to the side some of the older players that have done well for them in the past and start bringing through these younger players. Players like Tarek Lamptey is like eligible to, call, to be called up for Ghana. Like there's a few players out there, Salisu at Southampton, that they could be bringing in and trying to freshen up this squad a little bit, but they haven't done it. And it's left them in a really, really disappointing tournament. It's especially galling for them that their biggest rivals, Nigeria, are looking like the favourites. I think that definitely rubs it in their faces a little bit. But let's look at the game. Let's look at Comoros. Now, even in their qualification, they got some really good results. So when they were qualifying for the AFCON, they beat Togo 1-0 away. They drew 0-0 with Egypt. So we knew that this was a team that was able to put in performances, able to like upset teams a little bit. And their coach, Amir Abdu... He's coaching a team in Mauritania in the top flight and Comoros. He was born in Marseille, right? So he's French by birth. And he has decided to really focus on the massive Comorian population in France. So none of the players in the squad actually play in Comoros. They all play abroad. And he's brought in this diaspora. He's brought in some young players and he's given this team an identity. Remember, this team is only 15, 16 years old. Like He is forming the identity of a national team. And this performance is really like the the hallmark moment in, our, in their history. So how did the game go? Well, within five minutes, Ghana managed to go 1-0 down as Comoros take the lead. And then the big turning point in this game is Andre Ayew being sent off. Now, the red card, it went to VAR, and he's going for the ball, right? He's definitely going for the ball, but he challenges the keeper. His foot slips, and he goes studs up into the goalkeeper. And it's like into the goalkeeper's arm, the ball falls loose. I feel like I can see why it's a red card, but I can also see why he has every right to challenge for the ball. He has every right to go for it. It just, it looked dangerous. It was clumsy. And at that point, obviously, Garner are down to, down to 10 men, already a goal down. In the second half, Comoros managed to double their lead. They're in dreamland. And this is like, this isn't through playing counter-attacking, conservative football. This is they are passing. They are playing some nice, beautiful football. They're dominating the game, and they go 2-0 up. Now, 
It looks like the game's gone. And within 10 minutes, Garner managed to score two goals to make it 2 all. And you think, okay, finally, we're seeing this sleeping giant wake up and come into the tournament. But on the 85th minute, they concede again from some lazy defending. It's tapped into the net and it is game over. Comoros win and they go into third place. And now with the way the fixtures have fallen today, they are going into the last 16. So this is their first ever AFCON and they've made it through the knockout rounds. This is kind of really, it reminds you of Madagascar in the last tournament. They went all the way to the quarterfinals in their debut. And it's just a story that we can all get around. Like I said, this is a really young, exciting team. And it's almost like the polar opposite of Ghana. And I think like it was really highlighted in this game. For Ghana now, they, they need to like, they've already started a review into what's gone wrong in Ghana in football and where they can go from. The manager has been sacked. Um, and it feels like these are just two teams at the opposite ends of cycles. And for Comoros, it's just really, really exciting. They've got a really tough draw in the next round. As you said, they're going to be taking on the hosts, Cameroon. So it couldn't be much harder. But I think for them, just getting through the knockout stages is like, it, uh, that's more than they could have um, wished for. So I think it's incredible. Something about the Indian Ocean and the first mm -hmm. ever participation in the AFCON. Comoros are just, I was checking earlier on the map because I checked back in the day, but I kind of forgot. They're not that far from Madagascar. Very No, no, well, I was islands. reading about their politics. Like, obviously, I was reading about their politics. Really fascinating. It's made up of three islands. Two of the islands have gone independent, and one has decided to stay part of France. And it's like this really crazy part of the world that you don't really hear about, and it's just nice to be putting them on the map. And yeah. I really hope they keep going. It would be amazing <laughs> if this fairy tale continues, but I'm not sure if it will. Um, Go Comoros. So that was in Group C. Elsewhere in the group, we have the other headline, which is Gabon. <laughs> now, Gabon have had an incredible tournament, managing to get through this group with, like I said, with Morocco and Ghana. We, before the tournament, I said Gabon maybe will get third. I can't really see them doing that well. But they finished second on five points, one win, two draws. And I kind of touched on it earlier in the in a previous episode, but just the amount of craziness that is going on around the Gabonese camp, right? So not only did they have Aubameyang and Lamina catching COVID, right? They had players demanding cash up front before they got on the plane to play for the tournament. That issue still hasn't been resolved. They've now had um, Aubameyang and Lamina have both, like Aubameyang's gone home, Lamina has retired. Um, there's now been a story leaked that Aubameyang was sent home on health grounds, but in the newspaper it says that him, his brother and Lamina went out they left the hotel, came back at five o'clock in the morning drunk. They were fighting security staff. Like all the stuff that's going on around this camp is absolutely insane. But despite that, the team have come through and really put in some performances. The team, the players that have really stood out. So the first player is um, Alavina. I want to say his name right. He scored against Morocco. He got the first goal of the game. Um, he's really been one of the standout players. He got the first goal. Then the game kind of goes quiet. Um, Morocco get a penalty in the 74th minute. Then Gabon score again through an own goal. But in the 84th minute, Tommy, your favorite guy, Ashraf Hakimi, manages to get an equaliser, which means what Morocco finished. What an Sorry? equaliser. What an equaliser, too. What an equaliser. Absolutely beautiful goal. It means that Morocco finished first and Gabon qualifies second. Really one of the like stories of the tournament, how this squad, without their stars, have put in real team performances kind of shows you know that 
team, there's no I in team, as people say, right? Um, that if your if your big stars go missing, it doesn't mean that you can't achieve things. And go on, Gabon. Um, and in the next round, as you said, they will be facing Ooh. Burkina Faso, a game that they could definitely win. And let's move to Group D, where Egypt and Nigeria go through. Nigeria are the only team in the AFCON to win all three of their group stage games, despite the absence of a certain Victor Oziman. Um, in this game, there was an early adder from Ajay from West Bromwich that didn't go in, and har- a hard volley from uh, Guinea-Bissau's Jorginho. Jorginho, you heard it right, which went wide and it was nil-nil at halftime. In the second half, after a pretty dull 45 minutes, it all kicks off in a different way and the play for the first goal by Sadiq, it's absolutely beautiful. It's Leicester's Iannaccio who starts everything and kind of directs the entire play. Iannaccio gives the ball to Iwobi who lays it off to Ndidi, beautiful through ball back to Iannaccio outside of the foot with his left all across the penalty box and Sadiq is right there to make it 1-0. Now, Serie fans, you might remember our friend Sadiq because he did play for Roma. He actually grew up uh, football-wise in uh, in Italy. Um, he was uh, in the... Um, he was in the youth team of Lavagnese, then Spezia, and then he moved to Roma, where he only managed to score two goals, however, in six games. Then a bunch of loan spells to Bologna, Torino, Nacbreda, Rangers, and Perugia. Then Partizan, 15 goals in 28 games. And right now he's in La Liga Dos, and he's already bagged 28 goals in 59 games across two years. This season, this season alone, 19 matches in La Liga Dos, 8 goals and 6 assists. It feels like after a long career of loan spells, he's finally hitting a form. And then a gorgeous solo play by my favorite FCON player, Mr. Simon. Oh. For Nigeria, man, that play was incredible. It gave me Saint Maximana vibes. Yes. Then he yeah, hit yeah. it from the left flank. He hit it in the penalty box super hard onto the crossbar. It hit the crossbar and then Trostekong as a very easy tap in to give Nigeria all the points that they needed to go through the group stage. And for what concerns Egypt to Sudan. Man, Egypt put in more of a fight than usual, but the big surprise is that the one goal did not come from Mo Salah. That is the biggest of news. Um, There were early chances for the Egyptians with Ashraf on the left, but the low cross was intercepted by goalkeeper Mohamed for Sudan. A nice header by Egypt's Mohamed uh, from a corner kick was saved beautifully before Abdelmoneim made it 1-0 at the 35th minute with a low header from a corner kick. In the second half, the, everything we needed to say, a long-range attempt by Sulaya. Salah tried an individual play but also failed to score. He was denied by a very informed Sudanese goalkeeper, Mohamed. He then... Mohamed Salah laid it off. A lot of Mohameds in this game. He then laid yeah, it yeah, off yeah. for Sulaya. It's like Kamara all over again. <laughs> exactly. It's like Salah lays it off for Sulaya. However, it's a very easy tap-in, but the goal goes over the bar. And in the dying minutes of the game, Abdel Rahman hits a free kick for Sudan. Egypt's goalkeeper dives. He could hold on to the ball, but he doesn't. Uh, the tap-in... 
looks like it's going to go in, but the goalkeeper saved it with the face. However, the goal wouldn't have changed anything because Egypt would have still gone through and Sudan would have still been eliminated. Let's move on to the next group, Group E, which was played today as we were recording. Rory, what can it you tell was, us? We, we started recording just as the Ivory Coast Algeria game finished. And I have to say, this game did not disappoint Unless you're an Algeria fan, Dean Ami, I am so, so sorry. I do not know how bad. I did not think this tournament would go this bad for you. But Ivory Coast were absolutely rampant. And Algeria's defense at times was invisible is being polite. There was moments when there was five versus twos. Like, I do not know what was going on with the Algerian performance. But Ivory Coast... So from the beginning, they're my boys, and they look like one of the teams to beat this tournament. That attacking, just the the flair they have up front between Gradel, Pepe, Zaha, like Sangare, they've got so many players that can just dribble, run, direct, fast. Kessier is absolutely running that team. I feel like he's really in. People are going to start realizing, like people who don't watch Serie A might be watching this, going to realize just how good this player is. He looks even more terrifying with no hair and a beard as well, by the way. He looks absolutely terrifying. But Ivory Coast, unbelievable. Um, So the first goals they had, well, mainly I'm obviously going to talk about Pepe. I'm really disappointed that Arsenal do not have this form of Pepe. Um, He got the third goal, but the, this, the goal scoring was opened by Frank Kessier. Again, just the, the pace that Ivory Coast have were just tearing Algeria to, sh- to shreds. Ibrahim Sangare got the second. So at halftime, Ivory Coast were 2-0 up and Algeria really are looking like they're out. At halftime, they bring on Slimani, try and change things up. Pepe adds a third and then all of a sudden Algeria decide to start trying. Like they were such passengers for most of the game, for the first hour. And then the second they're 3-0 down, they start playing, right? Um, Algeria get a penalty, a lifeline. Mares takes it, strikes the post. Now, I've never seen a ball bounce so far backwards off the post. It went flying past the halfway line. I don't know how hard he hit that ball, um, but he missed. Algeria did manage to get a consolation in the 73rd minute. They were starting to put pressure on towards the end, but Ivory Coast just doing the normal tricks, wasting time, slowing down the game. It always looked fairly comfortable. Ultimately, just too little, too late for Algeria. And another, as we said on the previous episode, another tournament where we can notch up the reigning champions that have a massive disappointment. Um, I feel like for Algeria now, they just need to take a look at kind of like Ghana. Okay, let's not overreact. They're not in as bad a place as Ghana are, but they do need to look at where they need to be improving the squad, where they need to maybe move all players on, bring in fresh players. I think they will just be hugely disappointed with this performance. obviously. And then elsewhere in the group, Sierra Leone, unfortunately, and especially for our guest, a little spoiler, for uh, Sierra Leone do not make it out of the group stage. They lost 1-0 to Equatorial Guinea, and they tried their hardest to really, really mess up this game. Towards the end, they went 1-0 down um, against Equatorial Guinea. They then had a penalty late on in the game. They missed the penalty, and then at that point, it was just throwing the kitchen sink, everything up front. Um, Equatorial Guinea kept catching them on the break. Eventually, Equatorial Guinea get a penalty. They then miss that penalty, and Sierra Leone have someone sent off. The game just descends a bit into chaos. And sadly, despite Kamara's heroics early on in the group stage, Sierra Leone will be going home 
and we apologize again to our guest once you find out who he is. <laughs> and Group F, all the action is unfolding right now as we speak. We will tell you the results as they are at the 55th minute. Gambia, nil. Tunisia, nil. Mali, two. Mauritania, nil. And so far, I want to say that Mali are one of the teams that has impressed me mm. the most. And I would have to say that uh, I'm going to go for Ivory Coast, Nigeria, and uh, Mali as the three best teams that I've seen so far. What do you think, Rory? Yeah, I think I'm going to join you with the Nigeria-Ivory Coast um, vibe. But I'm also going to say the team that's excited me quite a bit, and they're going a bit under the radar, um, if they get through the group, and it looks like they will do, is Tunisia, weirdly. I think they've like they've scored, they're one of the teams that scored the most goals, I think. And I think that if they do get through, they could really upset some teams. So I'm going to say Tunisia for an, a dark horse. All right, the dark horse, we don't even know because as things are standing in Group F, Tunisia, well, yeah, Tunisia would have four points as the third ranked in the group, so probably they would have a place. That's it with our FCON review. At the end of the episode, after the interview, we are going to preview these weekend's games, which are all going to take place on Sunday. But first, I know that this is not FCON-related, a very controversial man in football is apparently fighting for his life. He's a man that we've talked about quite a lot, not the most loved in the environment. We're talking about Mino Raiola. Apparently, he's entered intensive care unit at a Milan hospital after surgery. It's not very clear what's going on to him, but the latest news that are leaking right now on the internet say that the situation is not that great. Good luck, Mino, when it's a matter yeah. of life and death. We can only say that. And uh, that kind of makes you wonder, if he were to depart, what would happen to all those star players that he's representing? But probably we will touch on that in another episode. For now, buona fortuna, Mino. We hope Yeah, get everything... well soon, man. Come on. Yeah, and maybe if you recover from this, go on a little diet. Because I don't know what the problem is all about, but you haven't looked in great shape for the better part of the past 10 years. Rory, do you want to say a few words to kind of like walk our listeners into the beautiful interview that they're about to listen to? Well, I'm pretty excited about this interview, guys. And like, you know, we try and get ex-players... We try and had internationals, people who've represented their country. Well, now we have someone who has captain their country. He is or was captain of Sierra Leone. He is the great Sheriff Suma. And please enjoy the interview. And it is time for our second guest of our AFCON specials. And this time we are delighted to interview Sheriff Suma, born in October 1986 in Freetown, Sierra Leone. He would go on to earn 36 caps for his country, captaining them, playing for a host of clubs all across Europe, as well as now being in the United States. We firstly want to say thank you for joining us. Sheriff, how are you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Really good. Really good. Thank you. Tommy, how are you? I'm doing great. And the sheriff, uh, our podcast is known to bring bad luck to every person that we interview. We are very sorry about Sierra Leone. <laughs> Minutes before we would start this interview, Sierra Leone. I know, I know. Missed the penalty, red card. What happened? Red in this card, game? red card, penalty, missing penalties and red card. It's, I don't know. It's. <laughs> 
what happened there? Did you expect a different result? Yeah, like the first two games, I, I, I was expecting like we play defensive, like hold them back and then go on the counters. But this game today, I was telling my friend earlier that it's a 50 50 game, it's an open game for us. Like this half, it's our time to get the three point. But seeing them went going back to defend, it's like I was thinking, what's going on? I was still playing the same strategy, like sitting back and now. I supposedly thinking that we are going all forward, you know, to this ball up there to Kai. You know, Kai is a big man with the head mm-hmm. and we have come out behind him. So uh, that was thinking, but seeing them playing back was surprising to me. Because well, until I... now, until today, Sierra Leone actually played pretty well and we were very impressed by especially one of the players, the goalkeeper, Kamara. Kamara, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to see him there too. He's a young kid, um, been doing good in the league back home. I heard about him and saw some of his games back home. I said, he's pretty good because I remember uh, former goalkeeper Christian Coca was talking about him. I said, he said, he's a good goalie. He's coming. He's a young kid. He's coming up. And I saw him in the Nations Cup. I was like, wow, he surprised me. He's like saving penalties and coming out like Noah in for the for Bayern Munich in Germany, like the wall. So he's, he's, he's pretty good. But he plays for East End Lions, right? East End Lions. Yeah, Leon. And they home. are... They're one of like the bigger teams in Sierra Leone. Yeah, yeah. Do they do they produce a lot of good players? And are people surprised at how well he's done this tournament? Eastern Lions, yeah, it's one of the biggest clubs in, in Sierra Leone. Yeah, and they have lots of good players in the league. Uh, over the years, they have lots of players that been coming out of, from them, and they have players who plays for the national team that I play. That I play with my best friend is from Eastern Lions too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have. Lots of good players there, yeah. Okay, and Kamara has been like, especially his performance in the first game um, against Algeria really got him some headlines. And lots of people have been saying that he could get a bigger move to Europe. Do you think this is going to be an opportunity for him to get that big move and for other players in the squad? Yes, 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 yes. Because um, playing those tournaments, it's opened up for lots of players that play play, uh, home. Mm -hmm. I remember when we played for the... When we were playing the under 17 World Cup in Finland, my um, I have a coach who told me, So, I just go there, just play your game, and then come back home, and then you'll see what happened. And that's how I get my, my breakthrough. So, I believe that most of these players that play home, home base, the home base players that play this Nations Cup, this is a very, very big opportunity for them to come out, especially the goalie. And besides uh, Sierra Leone, that now, unfortunately, once again, we're sorry, are out of the tournament. What do you think of this edition of the Africa Cup of Nations? Who do you think are the favorites? And uh, have you been watching it, following? You're in the US right now. So we yeah. may have the time difference, maybe. The time before, yeah, because this is a good time for me to watch this game because I go to coach around three. So this is a good time for me to watch. I watch mostly all of the games. And I can say Ivy Coast is one of my favorites. And uh, Senegal, Senegal, even though they don't score a lot of goals, Saruman don't score, but they are really playing really good. Those are the two teams that I think they are really uh, catch my eyes. What about uh, Nigeria? Do you think they can go far? They are the only team so far to have won all three matches in the group stage. Yeah, Nigeria, Nigeria they are good, but not like the Nigerians I used to know a long time ago. No. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're, they're okay. They're okay. I can say they're okay. Yeah, that's okay. It's an okay team for right now. Even though they win all, they won all their games. 
the way Africa played today and the way they play against us, mm-hmm. it's just that we, we came back, you know, never give up. And we came back, we, we, we equalized, but they're really playing, they're really playing really good soccer. Yeah. Well, well, they've had some really great generations in the past, obviously, but I feel like this generation with with Simon and they don't even have Osimhen and Emmanuel Dennis, and they're still playing really well. I think they they could have an opportunity. But um, what's been your favourite moments of the tournament so far, or what game in particular have you enjoyed the most? <laughs> even maybe not out, Sierra, maybe a Sierra Leone game. Even though we are out, but. The Africans game was one of the best game I've seen because I was getting, I was going outside, like I was going up, and I, you know, I was almost turning the TV off. I said, okay. this, this, <laughs> right. this is done, it's done. And then all of a sudden, I just saw again, I saw goal. I said, what? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was a, that was a really good game. And there's, there's another game to, um, the game was it, the, the Equatorial Guinea team two playing against mm-hmm. Algeria. Was a very good game. Like that was so the, the the striker, the guy, the teacher guy. I said, okay, guy, yeah, 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 danger guy. This guy's a danger man because the way he was running down the line. I said, this guy gonna be a really hard work for us for mm-hmm. our defense. And they proved me wrong. Then they did good. Yeah. So, Sheriff, we would like to go back a little bit and talk about your career as well, uh, which has been, I mean, you've traveled the world thanks to football. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, on, fr- from the information that we found on the Internet, it says that you started uh, playing football, street football, actually. So how, what did football mean for you when you were growing up? Also because you grew up in a very, during a very trying time yeah, for yeah. Sierra Leone. So what was it like to play football on the street and what did football mean for you as a child? Yeah, and again, I just want to say thanks to football again because if not football, I would not be here today. But um, going back uh, back home, it was really hard at, at, at those times, you know. And then watching those big guys playing on the, on the street, I just sit down there one day. My friend, one of our friends said, you want to play with us? The big boys, I said, nah, nah. He said, just come there, just stand at the back and just stand there. I said, okay. I just stand there. They gave me the ball. I don't know if it was luck or something. I dribbled everybody I scored. Said, oh, okay. That's what I was now. It was just luck. You are small. It will not kick you. I do it again. So one of the big guys said, oh, no, no, this time, no. We have to be able to do something. But my mom never allowed me to play soccer. Like he said, hey, get in, go inside and study. But I, I would just wait for her to go outside and then I step back outside and then play. <laughs> but um, soccer has been um, my my peace. Like some place I can go, it's a peace place for me. Some place I can have fun. My mood changes playing soccer. I don't think that much about a lot of things when I'm playing soccer. That's yeah. beautiful. So were you were you like instantly much better than the people around you? Like, did you become known in your neighborhood for being the guy who's good at football? Yes, 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 yes. I've been become known. So when we, we like we play street against street, mm-hmm. so sometimes I'm always late. Like most of the time I'm late because of I have to be home. My mom is there, I have to wait. So my, when my friends like calling me, they don't call my name. They they have a stone, they have to stone something. Like, okay. hey, guys, let's go. Like, okay. I'll tell my mom I'm going out to get water. I never come back. <laughs> right. That's when they play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so that's how I know. Until I met one guy, say you're a really good, you're a really good kid. Keep playing. And even my school, 
when I go, went to my primary school, I school team. That's why I stopped to play uh, to pay school fees because of me playing very good for the school. So they said we're gonna pay you back without you paying school fees. Okay. So at that point, I'm sure your mom. Oh, yeah, my mom said, okay, you know what? She, she started changing her mind. You know what? All those things she told you about football, actually keep playing, please. Yeah. So, Sheriff, then the, the big, we can say that your professional footballing career didn't actually start in Sierra Leone, but it was in the Gambia. Is that Nicaragua. correct? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So what happened there? Because you, you met one of the, probably the best Sierra Leonese player of all time. Yeah, after uh, the war... By the war, we have to we we are the ones who came out from the war and went to Guinea and then in in Gambia. So after losing my mom in '99, that was I can say was the worst moment in my life because I wanted her to see in the future I was growing up to play soccer. I know mm -hmm. if she was alive today, she would have been a really proud mom. Mm. Even though she used to beat me a lot, but people like I know. But um, yeah, I played there. And then I met with uh, Mame Kaloni that asked me, do you want to play for my team back home? In my mind, I was thinking, no, I, I can't. I can't go back because the war, it's always all in my mind. He said, no, no, there's no war. It's fine now. So I told him I'd have nobody there. So if you're going to take me back, you're going to be, I have to be really secure that I'm going back home, that I'd have nothing there, no family, nobody. And he said, yeah, you can stay in my house. So he gave me his word. I went back and then I played. I scored for that was the second highest goal scorer in, in the in that in the league that time. Yeah. So that, that was that was good. That was really good. Yeah. And <laughs> so, what, <laughs> what kind of feeling was it for you to meet Mohamed Kalon and go play? And I think this is amazing. I didn't know it, but his football team is called FC Kalon, which is amazing. Yeah, okay. This story <laughs> with FC Kalon is like this. So we started FC Kalon. Okay. Without, without even Kalon know about this team. Okay. Because we knew it's coming to Gambia all the time, so we formed the club so it can sponsor us whilst we are playing. Not knowing that we have a big goal for the the the, the, the Calon name. So when it came there one time, we won the the the, the league. It gave us two hundred dollar. I remember two hundred dollar was was big for us. Like okay, I didn't even know him at that time. I didn't know. Him. So everybody was this is Calon. I said who's Calon man? So you don't know. I said no, I, I don't watch soccer. Why do I watch? I don't watch soccer. I have this time. Today is the biggest um, player in Sierra Leone. So that's nice. <laughs> so after the game, because they played against my team I was playing for in Gambia, so we beat them like 10-0. So it was so mad going back home. And then he asked one boy to talk to me. So I like this kid. Who is this? So talk to him for me. So they told me to come to his house. Went to his house. Say, I like you. I want you to play. Come practice with me. And then if you can play soccer, I can take you back to Sierra Leone. When he says Sarah, I say, oh, I don't know about Sarah, but I'll play with you. But going back, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So he said, hey, I'm leaving today. You want to come or stay? You decide now. I'm leaving now. I don't have time to. I said, okay, what? let's go. Uh, yeah, like, I, don't, I don't have nothing to lose. I said, let's go. When I like they, that. Like, give yeah. me an ultimatum. Like, go yeah. or stay? You choose. Yeah, you want to stay? You choose. I'm leaving now. So you tell me. 
I so how obviously Calon is like the biggest name in Sierra Leonean football, right? The greatest player. Tommy will be aware of him, of course, as he played for Inter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, off off mic, I really appreciated that Sheriff said Inter are good, and uh, yeah, I remember Calon. <laughs> yeah, 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 Inter, yeah, Inter was good. Yeah, I remember Calon. He was recently, I think, last year. Uh, he was at the stadium in San Siro. He was awarded. Uh, I think he entered the Inter's Hall of Fame. If I'm yeah, not yeah, 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 he, he, he did, yeah, he did, yeah, he yeah, did. yeah, yeah. But so, how did the sorry, sorry, Rory, keep going. No, so, so how important a figure is he within Sierra Leone, and is he like because if you've got a team named after him, I imagine he's like this big figure. Like, do people still look at him as like this big role model within the country? Yes, yes, yes. He's one of um, I can say in our generation, he's one of the the biggest ever mm-hmm. that I've met and then I've played that with and then I've talked to. It's it's an honor to play with him and to meet him at that time. He's a very nice guy. He gives good advice about soccer and everything. And he hung out. One thing I've learned from him was that that changed my career too, is he can party with you guys all night. <laughs> and then 4 a.m. is going to run. Out oh, of wow. <laughs> all of us were sleeping. It's like tiptoeing and then going outside. So one, one morning I was, so let me go pee. I saw him like, I said, I said why? Come with me, come, let's go. <laughs> Went to the beach, he was running. I was so tired, he was going back and forth. I said to myself, I want to be like this guy, man. He's, he's so fit. In the national team, watching him play, at that time I was not playing for the national team. He's so conf- he's never get tired. So I said in the back of my head, this guy, the thing he's doing at this time in the morning while people are sleeping, I think I can do that too. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that all the time. I started doing that like in the morning. I can't. I don't wake up four a.m. But six a.m. I'll be up, running to the beach, running to the beach all the time. So when they came and asked us to play for the U seven U seventeen, I was not worried because I know I have the skills. I just need the fitness. So working at, at the beach at that time and playing for the under under seventeen was so easy for me. It was so and so. This, easy. And this was like a big moment in your career, right? The under seventeen World Cup. Under seventeen. So where where was that tournament based? What happened in the tournament? How like how did it have such a big effect on you? Yeah, um, at first because after the war, when after everything started coming back, we qualified. But the qualifying was the hard, hard part, and um, I played nearly all the games, all the games I played until we qualify. And they told me I cannot come to them to Switzerland because I've stayed in Gambia. So they was thinking I was Gambian. Oh. Yeah, so they went there. The place where everybody in, in, in back home they were saying, Man, we miss Suma, man. You're supposed to take Suma. But I, I was not thinking about what they were saying. I was just saying, I just hope they qualify because I know if they qualify, I'll go with them. Okay, which we did. We be, I think we beat Nigeria and then we lose to we did we lose the, the final to Cameroon. So when they came back, they have to take two players and the coach said, Suma, I need in this thing. So I, I joined the team again, went to Finland, play my game against Spain. I do all the assists to, to Sami. And then after the the the, um, the minister at that time, the sport minister like came down and said, hey, if you were with us back in the Nations Cup, we shall win that cup. Because the way you play, your style is too different. Wow. And um, yeah, That's beautiful. Yeah. 
But I wanted to ask you, so you, you grew up in Sierra Leone, then there was the war, then you went to the Gambia, then there were all these things, and then all of a sudden you catch a plane and you travel all the way to Finland. So for a teenager at the time, how did it feel like to represent your home country so far away from home? I mean, even for me and Rory, Finland sounds like a pretty exotic place. I mean, just like kind of like up there, kind of forgotten by everybody. How did it feel for you? At that time, uh, playing at that time, at that age, I I didn't think about anything. I was just having fun. For me, it was just fun. I just, I don't think like this is a big moment. No, I was just think, ah, I'm coming here to play. People back home going to see me playing on, on TV. That's what I'm thinking. They're going to see me back home. It's me on TV. Okay, that. thank you very much. You guys see me. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. Other <laughs> than that, I wasn't thinking anything. Playing against Fabregas at that time, I was not thinking or see them as a big player or something. I was just having fun. That was That's it. incredible. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. So, so you, which players did you play against in the tournament that you thought, like, were there any players that you thought they're going to be great or you saw them since and were like, oh, I played against him? Like, who were, like, the big players? Yeah, playing against Spain was the best team at that time. But I didn't know them back then at that time, like, mm-hmm playing in these big teams like Real or Barca. They have lots of players. They have, uh, uh, what's his name, Fabigas. They have, I think, I don't remember the other guy's name, but if I see them, I, I like I, I know them. Mm-hmm. I played against them, yeah. And I played against Freddy Ado for the US. It was the fastest player in, in, in the tournament. So that's most of the players that I know. And then some African players too that I know, Obi, Obi Mikel and other players. Oh, wow. Nice. But they're, yeah. So playing against them was nothing for me. I just we just like we're the same age group. I don't care. I'll just have fun and go home. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And then your your club career eventually takes you to Scandinavia as well, right? So first you moved to Sweden. Is that correct? Yes, Sweden. Yes, that's Sweden. Yeah. Um, and how did that how did that move come around? And how big a culture shock was it coming from like Africa to Scandinavia? Right? How big a culture shock was that? And how did the move happen? Well, the, going temp- back- the temperature <laughs> shock, man. <laughs> it's a little colder up there yeah. than it is in Sierra Leone. Going back home, like everybody was telling me, why did you come back? Like, like eight, 17 of the players, they all ran away. They never come back home. So, why? So, my friends, like, why did you come back? This was your opportunity. I said, no, my opportunity is to play soccer. Mm-hmm. It's just to play the game. I believe this game. I don't go there to run away. It was no, never in my mind to run away. I'm happy for the guys who run away to make their life better today. But for me, no, it's all about me playing football. That's my fun, my joy and everything. So I lost a lot of friends at that time. Some people don't ever talk to me anymore and say, you are crazy, man. You are, you're not serious. Um, 2004, I met this guy, Chegno Musa. He was talking to me one day saying, there's a club who wants you in Sweden. But at that time, I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I didn't have a cell phone at that time. <laughs> So the only way to, to 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 meet him was to go there where he lives and talk to him. So I have to run there or, or every morning to juggle over there and ask him what was going on. He would tell me like in two weeks time you will we have a call or um, come back here in two weeks time. So okay, go to the beach practice. I have to run back there after two weeks. Hey, what's going on? Do you have a passport? Yes, I do have a passport. Do you have anything? Give me a passport. And leave everything with him. One day, one morning, he just came to my house. He came to my house that day. You are leaving today. I said, where? You're going to Europe. 
So I, I sat down like tossing down for some time thinking, I'm going to a place that I don't have no family, I don't know anybody, and I don't speak even the language. But then I've been taking things like not the everything personal in my life, like just have fun. Because I've seen my friends back then in, in the war died and everything. So me living my life was just living it the best as I can. So I went there in September, which was good at that time. November was December, November, December was not the best year in my life. <laughs> I, I, will, I will ask the coach because I played a friendly game for them. I scored three goals. The first half, I came inside like I, I cannot even talk. I cannot talk. I cannot feel anything. <laughs> Sitting down there, hoping the coach will say, Suma, you're out. <laughs> he took out some players. You guys can rest. Say, Is the, can, what's going on here? I like. And then he said, Suma, you're going back inside. I only make up my mind. My, uh, make up my mind. I said no. It's two things. <laughs> Either take me out, or I go back. To, I go back home. So everybody went back to the field. I was staying, I was still sitting down there. They will, they will look at me like they're ready for the game. And the coach sent somebody. He said, "Go call Suma." And the doctor came in. Say, "Suma, they're waiting for us." Say, "Doc, <laughs> I don't know if you understand me, but I'm not going to play. I want to go back home." She went out laughing. She was thinking I was joking. The coach, the coach came back. He said, what, what did you say? I said, I want to go back to Africa, please. Told the doctor, hey, take him home. Let him sleep. I went to, I didn't even take shower that day. I didn't take shower, no shower. I didn't take my, my shoes off. I just slept, slept like that. In the morning, when I feel much better, I cut them. I, didn't take, I just cut the lace, take my shoes off and go to the shower and shower. The coach was laughing all week long. I said, what? What just happened yesterday? I said, I couldn't feel my feet. My, I cannot be How can I play? <laughs> so that was the best moment for me. That's a big cultural yeah. shock. But then yeah. in, in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, you went all the way to reach the, the cup final, correct? Yes, yes, yes. That was my first year playing with them, but... The coach believed me, I think, when he saw me playing the the, the World the, the FIFA World Cup, he saw the, the skills that I have as well as well their team. But at that time I don't have the strength like playing this transition from Africa soccer strength and the European strength. I don't have that experience with them yet. So that was something that I like grew up in the the coming years playing there to have the adapt in that kind of system. But my skills was always there, but I know this I just need strength. So I started working out at the gym. Running-wise, I can run all day, but just need some muscles, you know. And I started eating a lot, changed my diet, and work out at the gym. And then we qualified for the first time playing with them, and then we played the um, the Europa Liga. Yeah, that's that was something big at, at that time. You know, not now. Like, now social media is more advanced. At that mm-hmm. time, it was something big there for me. Playing for the uh, playing in Europa, even though we lose to Grasshopper, yeah, they were really good. It was the the UEFA Cup still. Yeah. UEFA Cup, yeah, yeah, we wow. Grasshopper. So mother tell us, yeah, we're supposed to, yeah, we played some big teams that I remembered. That was, that was a really good experience for me. After Sweden, you kind of spend a bit of time around um, Scandinavia. There's a yeah. few clubs that you play for. Um, what were the di- what were the biggest differences in the in the culture of football between those countries? Did you find there was like a lot of 
adjustments you had to make? Or did you feel once you got to European football, you kind of felt more comfortable and you could adjust? No, playing around uh, Scandinavia country was the same. You know, the, the culture was almost the same. So I not need to adjust a lot of things. But moving out of Scandinavia was, mm-hmm. that was a big, big um, trial for me, playing in Cyprus and Azerbaijan and Turkey. Turkey was the best place. Everything changed because everything just flows at that time. Like it's fit, it's more fitness and more playing. My style of playing, but more fitness. So I love it there a lot. Especially the food was really nice, and the fans were great, awesome fans. You win, they love you. They lose, please don't go outside. Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really like how you move down to like Southern Europe. You're like, okay, Cyprus, Turkey, <laughs> Azerbaijan. This is a bit better. I can wear a t-shirt. It's a bit more yeah. comfortable, right? Um, yeah. Beautiful. So, okay, Turkey's like such a fascinating country, um, especially football-wise. Like you said, the fans are really passionate. Yeah. How did you find like the atmosphere compared to like where you'd played before? Was it much more intense? Like oh. Was it something you enjoyed or was it a bit too much at first? No, I enjoyed because of the fans, more of the fans, you know, like I used to play back home, a lot of fans. So playing in Turkey, the fans like crazy outside. I've seen that and the boss like, wow, this is this is this is football. This is what I call football. Coming that like they're shouting your name, you have to play. I like this kind of stuff. If I go and play, like when they have the COVID that in back in Sweden in England, watching the, the Premier League, no fans. It's it's like practice. Nobody, nobody, what's going on? I like somebody who watching the game. I like when people watch game, watching me playing. It makes me more motivated, especially yeah. the fans. You don't want to lose in front of your fans. I was watching uh, an interview the other day with a former NBA player. I don't remember his name, who played in Turkey. And he, he was telling a story about flares inside the basketball arena. Like, these guys are insane. And they were throwing flares onto the court, onto a basketball court. So imagine, I mean, whenever we talk about a, a game that is going to be played in Turkey, we're just like, we don't know how this game is going to unfold because the fans make the atmosphere so special. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the fans make everything different, everything different. Especially when they're calling your name, like in Turkey, they have a system like they call you, if you're the best, one of the best players, they will shout your name. You come there, you give them motivation. Let's go! Like in the Turkey, after land that in Turkish, which was so crazy. Like everybody laugh at me. They say, say that, say the word, say the word. I say, I don't know, I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And when you played in um, when you played in Cyprus for now, I want to get this right. Elmis Aradipu, I think that's how you say it. Aradipu, Aradipu, yes. Yes. Um, You won the second division in Cyprus. Is that correct? How was that season? Was it like so? Obviously, you got to the cup final in Sweden, but winning the second division in Cyprus was that like one of the highlights of your career? How did it feel that season? It feels really good because Cyprus soccer is different. It's like it's an African soccer. Yeah, you win. The president loves you, gives you anything you want. He asks for him. He say you want something? Yeah, go, go do it. But if you lose, please don't come to me, don't call me, go to practice and go home. So okay, winning right. the second division for that guy was a big talent because I went to the Cyprus, as I remember, to play for a first division team that they didn't even give me the time to practice with them. I practiced like two days with them and then that was it. I don't know the arrangement I have with my, my uh, manager. At that time, so after that, I stopped. I cancelled my contract with him, and I stayed in Cyprus for some time, practicing with other clubs. Then I met this guy who saw me and said, "Listen, 
Nobody believes you right now in Cyprus. I saw you play like once, twice. I, I, I've seen you playing. I'm going to give you a chance to play in my team. Every coach, when he saw me, he said, no, we don't want him. He said, no, coach, let give him try out and see. Mm-hmm. So they gave me one. I scored two goals because there is not, not enough. So the, 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 the manager said, you have to play again. The coach said, he's not, he's not, impro- he's not impressed. I said, okay. What do you want to to score five goals? <laughs> Just keep playing that game. I said we we'll play one big team, uh, Omonia, as I remember. I dribble everybody. I cut back, and we have a PK, and that, I think that's when I have the, the contract after that. Went nice. The, yeah, went to the president. I said this is the player I was telling you about. He said, okay, there's the contract. There's your signing on fee. That's your house key. That's your car. Signing and go ready for practice. I said that's it. So that's it. No checkup, no man. He said, We know you're fit, we know you're okay, so just go play. And then I play, we play, I meet some other African players there, there that want to play. It's a second division team, it's really hard. And then we played, we qualified, and we won the cup. That's that was crazy, it was really crazy. How, how many times throughout your career did you stop for a second and look back at where you started playing football and how your life had changed? Um, that's a good question because um, there was one time I, as I grew matured in this game and in my life too. I think that was in that was going back to Sweden after playing in Turkey and everything because they have an economy problem there with my team. So I went back to Sweden. At that time, everybody knew me in Sweden. Like that was so big. So when they heard that I'm coming back to Sweden, all the teams like. Putting interest, they wanted to come play with us, no tryout, no nothing. Just come sign. So I sit down one day. I was talking to my friend, and he told me, Hey, remember like 2002? What you said to yourself? I said, Yeah, I do remember. I'll never forget that because back home when I was home, back home, I was sitting down one day. I said to myself, I need to make it. I need to make it in soccer. That's the only thing. Because here back home, no no job. I, I don't see myself working for anybody back home. Mm-hmm. That's, that's no job. There's not, nothing that can make me be happy. So I said to myself, I tell my friend, hey, I'm going to be the best player in this country. And they were laughing at me. I said, are you like, you talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So when they called me first for the national team, my first call up was like 2006, I can remember, yeah. Play with the big players at that time, Calon and at that time, can I have a, a, a friend called uh, Lamin Conte? He's, he's the biggest of, of all all the time back on Sierra Leone. I don't even remember. I don't even know his name at that time. They said he's the biggest player. I said, okay, what is the other name, sir? He said, uh, <laughs> so you don't you don't know me? I said no. I said, okay, you will know me soon. So when we now coming to the, the stadium, we, we I, I came out. Nobody said anything. Some other players came out, but when he came out. Like the whole stadium stand up. Like this is this is this is this is football. Okay. I asked somebody who is he? He said, just go play. You'll see. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Man, I, I wish our listeners could look at me and Rory's faces right now. Rory's just like sitting on his, I'm on just his hands. Listening. I'm, like, I'm just listening. Please yeah. keep telling me the story yeah, because yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah. But about, about the national team, what are your best memories of representing Sierra Leone 
you said before how attached you were to your roots, the fact that you came back and everybody called you a fool for going back. How did it feel to wear the Sierra Leone jersey and represent the team on the football pitch? What are your best memories? My best memories is like playing for, um, playing against, I, I playing with Mame Kalon. You know, he can, he, he, can, he can see the game before even the game starts. That's the best thing for these players. Like, they see the already see game, what's going to happen? So, just they say, Suma, you are young, you are fresh, you got injured, pass it if you can pass it, if you don't, you can pass it, do your thing. Just do your, just have fun. Like, you used to play for the under 17. I said, Really? I can do everything? He said, Do everything you want to. But if you lose it, go get it back. <laughs> I said, Okay, thank you, sir. Because I like to dribble. I, I would dribble, I would dribble everybody. I would do say, Suma, please pass the ball now, please. Yeah, I was young at that time, so I don't have anything to lose. So I'm, I'm playing against the, the, one of these best players. I didn't pass him the ball twice. So he called me, said, come. And I said, yeah, what is it? He said, I come twice, you didn't pass me the ball. I said, somebody's behind you. Say, hey, give me the ball and then run. <laughs> okay. I give him the ball, make a run. Man. I didn't. I didn't saw what he did, but the crowd. So I said, "What did he do?" Say you should have seen what, what he did, man. He turned that guy like. So <laughs> <said>, what? <laughs> After the game, he came to me. He said, "I like you." So even though I don't know your name, so he called me white boy. So you're a white boy for me. So <laughs> <laughs> you're a white boy. Yes, yeah, so that day we become friends. Every time I come to the game, he say, "Why is white boy? I want to be in his room because he reminds me of me of me when I was young. He can dribble, and then." Play with Carlon in telling you what to do, you know, guiding me in the in the game until I learn how to play in the big in the big um, in the bigger club and uh, bigger uh, with big big countries like uh, Ivory Coast, yeah, Tories and Nigeria against Kano. Play against them, it's it made me it made things easy for me at that time. But well, I saw that in a qualifier as well, you beat a Egypt side with Mohamed Salah, right? Would you say that that is like one of the, the best results that you achieved for your country? Or what is like your best match with your country, do you think? Honestly, honestly, playing against uh, Egypt at that time, honestly speaking, I, I didn't know Mohamed Salah. He played against me. He was playing on the, the right side, but playing left back. I didn't even know that it was Mohamed Salah at that time. Even the uh, the other guy who plays for Arsenal, your Arsenal, your the dread. Oh, um, El Nene. El Nene, yes. Until a few months ago, guys <laughs> sent me this picture like, hey, Suma, remember these two players? I said, who are these, who are these guys? See, that's Salah and, and you, you, you dribble both of them. I said, man, I don't even know these guys, man. <laughs> but that, that's, that's the picture you should keep that one. Mm-hmm. Keep. So at that time, I didn't know about Salah. I know their captain at that time was a very good uh, player in Africa. I know about him. So I think he's the only player who played for the national team at that time. So Salah, I think Salah, they were under seven, under 23 players that just joined the team at that time. Yeah, but my best game, I, I believe, was against uh, Ivory Coast. Because after the game, and Ivory Coast and Nigeria, after the game, they asked me, they say, hey, where do you play? And as Solomon Carlo asked me, to, where do you play soccer? In England? I said, no, no, no. I wish I could play in England. I said, I played in Sweden. He said, no, no, that, that's not true. You should play in England or in, in France. The way you are running down this line, it's like too crazy. 
And when you lose <laughs> the ball coming back, losing the ball is not is not the thing. It's when you're coming back is the, is what dangerous. When you're coming back to recover your your position, I say yeah, I learned that too from my club back in Sweden. You lose it, go get it. Mm-hmm. So those guys were big players at that time. Yeah. And your your favorite uh, your favorite goal that you've scored for the Sierra Leone national team? Ah, um, yeah, I off the top, yeah, maybe it's a little <laughs> hard to retrieve the information right now. On the, <laughs> off the no, top I of think I, if I remember, if I remember correctly, I think I scored two goals. I think it's against Egypt, no, against Tunisia. There was a corner from the corner to the goal. But that was not too. That was not too. Of uh, that was too bad. It was. Um, old, uh, it was against. Um, that was Equatorial Guinea. It was this island. Kevad. Kevad. Oh, okay. Kevad. Kevad. Hold on a minute. Let me get something. My charger. My charger. No worries. Maybe write it down, Roy. Around the thirty-seven fifty-four. Man, I'm loving this. No, it's really interesting. This kid, man. <laughs> Dude, and I would say... <laughs> How old is the kid? My son's my son. He's five. He's only oh, five? five. He wakes me up every morning. Dad, let's go play soccer. Does he play football too? Yeah, a lot. He said, hey, let's go. I'll go out and play. I say, man, I need to sleep. I say, let's go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. I think my, my favorite call was um, against Kipvad. Mm-hmm. I just came from uh, France at that time. We were trying with Marcel. With Marcel and then they said, okay, listen up. Since, you are, since the game is, it was so tight to see you play for the tryout in, in Marcel, we are coming to watch your game in Sierra Leone to watch my game in Sierra Leone against actual. I said, okay, that's, off. that's awesome. Yeah, okay, you guys can come. Came down there. Everybody knew about this about about uh, this guy in Marseille. So the fans were like, "Okay, Suma, I have a best friend." He said, "Suma, don't be nervous." I said, "I'm not nervous. I'm relaxed." I was like, "Guys, please, can I focus on the game?" You know, because in the when game start, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I just laugh about things. Say, yeah, why you, you, know, you should be like serious. I said, "Man, I'm not playing. I'm too fresh." <laughs> Don't worry, I, I got this. My friend said, I, no, I believe you. My, I have one friend. If I say, hey, so my gonna score today, I say, if I said no, I don't say no. I said, today I'll score two goals. So I believe you. So playing the game, I was running down the line all the time when they're making crosses and everything. We were winning like 1 0. And then we have a, a counter attack. I played left back at that time. So I attacked. Came to the striker and he passed me the ball. I controlled it, but the ball went up over my head. So as the ball going up, my friend in front of me was saying, Suma, lay it off. I think I don't know if the guy, those guys behind me had to like to lay back the ball back, but the ball was up at that time. I said, No, I have to do it. Oh shit. I just <laughs> do it. Bam. Bicycle kick. My back, I was dying out. They said goal. I said, goal? I was so crazy. I went up. <laughs> that's <laughs> even, an, that's even, an amazing story. Calon get up from the bench like, it says, hey, nobody inside, nobody in the national team have never scored. Never. 
score this goal is scored. In the league, people score, but this goal, nobody. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. After the game, went to the hotel, spoke to the uh, these guys, and then, but I don't know what happened after. I didn't get in touch with them again. I think they find somebody else for to play in that position in Marcel. Yeah. But it's, that's it's, crazy. And then that's a crazy story, yeah. Eventually, so after a while, you would go on to captain your country, right? So yeah. that is at that moment, that must have felt like you have fully achieved your dream, right? You've gone from like growing up in a horrendous circumstances, having to leave your country, you come back, and then you captain your country. Just how amazing was that first moment when you stepped onto the pitch with the armband on? Like, how did it feel? Yeah, that is it, it, it feels um, really special because at that time it was again a bad moment in Sierra Leone because in I not even Sierra Leone, in Africa because mm-hmm. we have um, was it is it the Corona? No, not Corona. It's the Ebola. We have Ebola okay. yeah. in Sierra Leone, so we couldn't play. We couldn't play any game in Sierra Leone. So it's all of our games were played outside of Sierra Leone. So, and then we play against Ivy Coast, Mister Man. We play against Ivy Coast in Ivy Coast. So, coming out with uh, outside on the pitch with Yaya Toure and everybody like standing there with him was okay. I think I got this. We got this. And then people don't even know Salon. Ivy Coast they didn't know about Salon that much. Mm-hmm. The first game it was one-one. At that time, and Ivy Coast won beat Cameroon four-zero. The following week, so we came there that weekend. They said they're gonna give us five. We said, Okay, let's see. And it was one one. And everybody's asking, you say, Who is the number 11? Who's the number 11? So come back to the Ottawa hotel. I remember, like, the crowd, I didn't even know these people. Mm. Everybody, like, the number 11, the number 11. I came out, they like, Can I have your picture, please? Can I? I was like, Okay, 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 I can do this. It's, it's been when I went to my room, I was like, Wow. Going outside, we're like, that's him. That's the guy that he can play soccer. He can play football. Mm-hmm. And that's the respect I have there in Africa. And I have a lot of fans there right now. Ask him, why did you come for this Nations Cup? I said, no, I can't come now. This one. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. It was really good. That's and, amazing. That's amazing. Yes. And right now, Suma, you are um, you're in the United States. Just a few words uh, on your job in Atlanta, uh, the state of American football. And then uh, I've got one final question to ask you before we let you go. All right. Yeah, uh, in, in the state, I came here to play two. I was playing here for two years before I stopped playing. So when I moved there in, in, in Atlanta, I played for the Atlanta Silverbacks. It's a, it's a third division team. Mm-hmm. So this guy, um, the, the director, is from Liberia. So I think he know me, but I've never met him before. But he know my name and everything. So I was here. Uh, I was looking for a place to stay at that time. So so I said, since I'm here, let me go somewhere to practice. Like, I don't come and just sit on my So my, one of my friends told me there's one team that practice at the stadium, one big stadium down. I said, when they are practicing with them, the guy saw me. I said, I know you. So you are the captain for sale. I said, yes, sir. But the coach is from Brazil. He didn't don't, don't, don't know me. So I said, okay, I'm leaving, but stay with the team and I'll call you after. Let's talk. So I was not there to like talk about anything. I just, okay, that's me. I practiced with them. And then I went home. I went back to Virginia. At that time, I was in Virginia. So 
I think the guy was looking for me. So I came back, I moved down, I moved back down here. And then I went back to the same team. And the coach was like, I was looking for you. Said, Why? I said, of course, I'm very sorry that I didn't speak to you the first time you came up because I didn't know your name. I didn't know you're from Brazil. Sorry. But I didn't know that you are the captain for Sierra Leone. I said, yes. What did you tell me? I said, no, no. I don't go around and say, I'm the captain. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm the captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So listen. Captain, also, Captain Sheriff. <laughs> yeah, captain captain Sheriff you know? is great. He <laughs> yeah. said, listen, you're going to sign if this is to sign the contract and you're going to be the captain. You just, that's my, that's the order they gave me. You sign in and you're the captain. I said, why? I didn't, I didn't say I'm not a player or not. He said, well, if they said you're going to play, you have to play. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll play. Since I live there, I'll, since I live there, I'll play. So I play with them. I'll play some games. But the way they were playing it, in the football in America, is it's not the same in Europe. It's, Europe is really fast and quick thinking. Yeah, it's slower and then more athletic. They run a lot, but the game is too slow. So when we were practicing and sometimes playing, I said, I say, guys, what are you doing? What is this? We are playing soccer. I said, this is so, this. No, 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 please, no, no, no. Guys, don't stop doing this. So the coach now, whenever I practice, I say, Suma, is this good? Sir, you are the coach, but I, I don't think this is good. But you are the coach. I don't want to take your job. <laughs> All the time we have a game, you ask me what to do. Like, so sometimes I tell him, hey, we have a good player. We have a good forward who can run a lot. Because they play all the time long balls, and I don't like playing long balls. No. Play down and play on his feet, he's fast. Mm-hmm. So we won the league, and then I had um, a stroke in my in my brain. I was playing a game one day and won the game 4 1. So I came, I was coming home from the game, like we just packed the bus, I was going to my car. So I felt my head. I thought it was just normal headache. So I told my first time, I feel my head, my head hurt. So I just think water. I said, I think like 10 bottles of water right now. But the wise I was talking to him, I, I, I don't remember what happened next. I just woke up in the hospital. So the doctor said, hey, you had a stroke. I said, what? How? They said, say, well, that's a shock to me too. Because you are fit, you are strong. And then stroke. Why do you get this stroke? I said, I don't know. I don't have, I've never had injury playing soccer. So he said, well, right now rest for some time. And then if you want to play back, you play. So I think I rested, rested a little bit. I started playing again. And then in practice, not to practice, the same thing happened again. The same place. But that time I knew what was, I knew that, I told my friend, the same thing that happened to me last year is going to happen again. So they called ambulance that time first. Took me to the, the nearest hospital and then bring me out. And the guy said, Listen up. I know you love soccer, but if you want to die, keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you decided, so that prompted you to then make the final <laughs> switch to become a football manager, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Say, so, hey, if I know you love to, I know you love this game because I know you African people, you love this game. And then, but for your health and your kids and your family, you should stop. I think you should stop. You can be part of soccer, but don't play anymore. 
Man, that's a that's an incredible story. I, we didn't know anything about it, and we're glad yeah. you're doing okay now. So even when yeah, it's good even to when see you're doing well, just just take take care of yourself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's, it was tough though. It was tough. Like I was, I was sitting home one day. I was like thinking, but my friends told me, "Hey, Suma, what do you want? What do you want to achieve? Any? What do you want to achieve? But be the captain for what? For America, or be what? Win World Cup." You played everything. You played everything. You done everything. I'm your friend. If you like to listen to my advice, don't, don't stop, man. Stop. Let's stop. We are we are getting old now. Let the young boys play. Yeah, that's why I stopped playing. But giving advice to young players to back home that want to come to Europe, advice they want to do, just enjoy it. Don't nothing to stress about. If when it's your time, it's your time. Nothing changes it. And then, see, because I moved there, I played for this the local team. So the, the manager said, listen up, you've done a really job, good job for me. I've never won this league. You won it for me one time. I'll, I'll make you a coach for the academy. So that's a big academy here called Rush. Mm-hmm. That's a very big academy. Even though I've been in Europe, so I've been coaching them now for three years now since I've moved there. Yeah, so that's, uh, I'm still in the game. Beautiful, man. Yeah, and and you cross the you you you've been everywhere, Africa, <laughs> Europe, a bit of Asia, a little bit uh, Azerbaijan, and then yeah. now the United States. I know. Sometimes people ask me, "Do you want to travel?" I said, "To where?" <laughs> <laughs> Australia, I think Australia and South America. Let's go to Dubai. I've been there. Let's <laughs> go to to France. I think I've been there many times. <laughs> Can we go somewhere you have not been here before? I maybe maybe uh, the Caribbean island, the islands on this side. Yeah, that, maybe that's my new man. I'm in new trip. This island on this side. There's definitely worse places to go than the Caribbean. I think. <laughs> but, <laughs> beautiful, sheriff. That's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you for coming on. Just before we let you go, we have a few questions that we ask our guests. All right. Um, so firstly, who is the best player that you ever played with? With. The best player I ever played with is, um, I can say it's um, Mohamed Kalon. Yeah, I was going to say. Mohamed Kalon is one of the best players I played with. Yeah. That's... Beautiful. And the best player you played against? Like someone you remember playing and being like, wow, that, that guy is different. Like that guy's good. I can say uh, it's Ivorian, it's Boney, Wilfred Boney. Okay, nice. Nice one. We went 50-50. My old left side died. Like, died. <laughs> died. The one, I, I'm so, I was so happy the ball went outside. After he asked me, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay, man. I'm not okay. So, you know, I, you know, it's, I, 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 felt, I felt something, but you are strong too. I said, no, no, you are strong. <laughs> but it, it was really good and strong. He's a very, very fit player. And it's difficult Beautiful. to it's difficult to chase too. It's a very big player to chase against. Yeah. Yeah, I always remember him being physical in the Premier physical. League. Like, physical. He was a yeah. physical striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical, man. Beautiful. And who was the best coach or the best manager that you played under? I think it's, uh, I call him Lars. Lars is, is a Swedish coach. And I played against his team in Sweden and then he coached me for the national team. Mm-hmm. He's a positive guy. And a very good coach, and a very good coach inside, in the pitch, and outside. He's a very good coach. Yeah. And last is a last thing. 
Perfect. Mm. And the last question, I think this is the last one. Um, the the best right. atmosphere that you or the best stadium that you played in. The best stadium. Hmm. Then, then we'll let you go before your kid destroys the house. It's like, why? Come on, guys. My dad. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, it's I guess, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they have like 80,000 fans, more than 80,000 fans. Like they feel it's nice, nice atmosphere. It's cool, nice. It's really nice to play in there. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Sheriff. We're going to let you go. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys having me in your, in your, hey, uh, in your thing. It, it's been truly a pleasure. And if you talk to Mohamed Kalon, tell him Forza Inter for me. I will tell that. I will do that. I will do that. And I, 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 I don't know who I will talk to for Arsenal. I have my, my friend here. He's an Arsenal fan. I have to post him every time, man. <laughs> it, will it will come. It will come one day. Eventually, eventually. Yeah, it's we have okay. to be yeah, patient. Yeah. We have to be patient. I know. Oh, guys, it, thank you very much for having me, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you so much. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Yes. Man, that was that was quite the interview. Um, it, well, the background, the noise made it all the funnier, and in the end, we got to actually talk to Sheriff Sasan, and it was great. He's a very nice kid. But man, besides the background noise, what a great interview! What an awesome interview! Genuinely, genuinely fascinating. Um, there was moments where, like you said, we were both just sat there in complete silence, just listening to his stories. Like genuinely inspiring like coming from that situation sorry in Sierra Leone and going through what he's been through just a really beautiful story really genuinely honored to have him on the show like wow yeah yeah a story that before researching for these guests I didn't really know but 12 years of civil war in Sierra Leone imagine growing up there the football is your only friend and you kind of escape from all that reality and even the fact that then he came back and his friends were just like man you're mm-hmm. a fool and he's like right then i'll i'll just go and chase my dream of becoming a pro footballer beautiful interview thank you again sheriff suma we are here at the end of our episode and uh, we've got a review basically what's going to happen this weekend in seria and the premier league rory do you want to start Let's do the Premier League first. It all kicks off tonight, as you are listening, with a massive bottom-of-the-table clash as Watford hosts Norwich. Um, This is going to be huge, right? Norwich after beating Everton. Watford after rescuing a point against Newcastle. Can they continue the form and give themselves a bit of a shout at survival? This is going to be a really interesting game. Then on Saturday, the early kickoff, Everton fresh after sacking Rafael Benitez. They're going to have Duncan Ferguson in charge. Big dunk. Terrifying. Is he going to get a reaction out of the players? Last time he was in charge of Everton, they actually had quite a kind of upturn in form, started playing some nice football. He is a proper Everton man, and I feel like he's going to get a bit of that laziness and um, complacency out out of the players. I think we could see a bounce here. For Aston Villa... They're in really good form. They've got making great signings. I think this could be a really good, uh, really good game. I'm gonna say Everton get uh, get at least a point here. I think we're gonna see a new manager bounce type of thing. Then the three o'clock kickoffs we have Brentford taking on Wolves. Brentford got battered by Liverpool three nil, um, and then lost to United three nil. Despite dominating the first half, they couldn't get the result. Wolves we've talked about really good start, a really good season so far. 
Can they continue it? We also have Leeds taking on Newcastle and Manchester United taking on West Ham United. Two games there that are definitely going to be worth watching. Also, then the late kickoff on Saturday is Southampton taking on Manchester City. Man City basically won the league at this point now. We've kind of decided that the title race is done. But Southampton have upset them a few times in the past, I seem to remember. So maybe we'll see some complacency from City, but I wouldn't bet on it. Then on Sunday, if Arsenal fancy it, if we fancy having a kickabout, um, we have got one scheduled at 2 o'clock in the UK. We will be be taking on Burnley at home. Burnley have had their last six games postponed, I think it is now. So neither of these teams want to play football, but hopefully they will play on Sunday. That at the same time, we have Crystal Palace taking on Liverpool and Leicester taking on Brighton. Now Leicester with that disastrous end to their last game against Tottenham endeavouring to lose a game with 80 seconds left really is quite impressive they'll want to turn the form around but Brighton actually getting some decent form still not losing but getting a lot of draws can they pick up three points and then the last game on Sunday arguably the game of the weekend it will be Chelsea taking on Spurs Spurs, the way they've won that game, it's going to be such a big boost for those players. I think we could see a reaction here. Chelsea, things aren't looking quite as rosy. I think this could be a bit of an upset, unfortunately. I'm really hoping Chelsea do something for us there. Interesting. Did you cover also Manchester United or did I... Oh, sorry. And then, oh, it's all over the place. That's that was the on, a, on Saturday, yeah. Manchester United, West Ham. That's also a pretty mm. big one, right? What do you... That is, a big, that is a big game. Manchester United still unbeaten under Ranić. Um, the Brentford performance wasn't the greatest. Like I said, first half, they really should have been a couple of goals down, but David De Gea kept them in it. Um, West Ham kind of struggling a little bit, but both these teams looking for top four. So I think this is going to be an intense game. I'm going to say Man United gets something here. I feel like they might just be turning the corner. And then we've also got uh, Leeds-Newcastle. What do you say about this one, Rory? Leeds-Newcastle leads in good form. Straight off the beat in West Ham, Newcastle need to get some points. I just don't think they're going to get any. They're getting linked with every player in the world, but they're not getting any points. So I think Leeds could should get something there. And in Serie A, it all kicks off tonight at 8.45 p.m. Central European time with Verona-Bologna. Verona are in 10th position. Bologna are on 13th position, only three points behind the giallo-blue. Verona have never won back-to-back games this season. Could this be their la- their first time? Maybe, because Bologna have lost five of their last six, including one versus Cagliari, and we all know what that means. Then we've got on Sunday at 3 p.m., always a Central European time, we've got the Genoa taking on Udinese, both teams coming from three consecutive losses, and both teams have recently conceded as many as six goals in a single game. Then we've got Inter-Venezia, or maybe... uh, No, we don't, because Venezia have 14 players positive to COVID, and uh, according to the current rules in Serie A, any team that has at least 10 players with COVID can uh, can, uh, formally ask to have the game postponed. So it's looking like that would be the case this time around as well. And then we've got a game, which is more of a goal fest than a game, Lazio-Atalanta. The Bianco Celesti in eighth position take on Gasperini's Nerazzurri. 
uh, in their last uh, six matchups, there have been 29 goals, have, and both teams have always scored. So an average of 4.83 goals per game. If you're a betting man, I would put some money on both teams to score. And over 2.5 goals, to say the least, also because both teams really want to win this game. Then we move on to Sunday, where there is Cagliari-Fiorentina. Cagliari-Fiorentina. Fiorentina have scored 11 goals in their last two games across all competitions, meaning Coppa Italia and Serie A, 11 goals in two games. Let that sink in. It really feels like Italiano on the sideline has found the right system. Also, if you didn't watch Biragi's two free kicks in their game against Genoa, they were absolute diamonds. And Cagliari, here, here, they've won three games in total this season, and two of these wins have come the month of January of 2022. So maybe something is turning around. We've got Napoli-Salernitana at 3 p.m., the Campania derby, Napoli versus Salerno. Hosiman is back, and we're probably going to see him from the very beginning. And Mertens said that the more he scores, the harder it will be for Aurelio De Laurentiis not to renew his contract. And now that Salernitana have got Sabatini as a sporting director, there are rumors that they are after a certain Diego Costa (laughs) and lift themselves from misery. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't see that happening. Then we've got Spezia Sampdoria, a little Ligure derby. Uh, Sampdoria's last win in Serie A came in the derby against Genoa on December 10th. Maybe this other derby will be their opportunity to make something out of the game. And the Spezia, can they make it three consecutive wins after they won last minute against AC Milan in <laughs> fashion at the San Siro? Then 3 p.m. Torino Sassuolo and then at 6 p.m. Empoli Roma. But the big, big, big one is going to be AC Milan Juventus on Sunday night at 8.45 Central European time. And about the AFCON, ladies and gentlemen, we can take a big breath because on Friday there are no fixtures scheduled. On Saturday there are no fixtures scheduled. It all kicks off the round of 16 of the Africa Cup of Nations on Sunday. The first game is going to be Burkina Faso Gabon at 5 p.m. And then at 8 p.m., Nigeria are going to take on a team that we don't know what team it is yet, but it's going to be the third place team in either Group B, E, or F. Is that correct, Rory? That is exactly. So you will know who they're going to face. We just haven't figured it out yet. The games are still playing. Um, So Nigeria will play another football team. (laughs) African football team. (laughs) Another African football team. Good. This is as much as we can tell you. Of course, please follow us on all social media, on Instagram at AngloItalianPod and on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod. Rory, anything else to add before I send our listeners off with our customary quote? Just simply do not forget to check out at Sports Club Maps, our official sponsors. Always have deals going on, always have re-releases, new releases. Just go check them out. If you want to buy a gift for anyone, for yourself, just treat yourself. Get one at Sports Club Maps. 
don't forget and since we were talking about Sierra Leone and you know that this guy speaking is a big time Inter Milan fan we decided to this time around to send you off with a quote from Mohamed Kalon and the quote goes no matter what every time you step into the Stadio San Siro you must feel that emotion we'll talk to you on Monday night live on Twitch and YouTube have a good weekend <laughs>